Hello and welcome to the Nonsense Retrospective. Joining me today, as always, is Devon. Bear seek seek lest. And as always, I'm Rick. And yeah, if you've if you've not joined us before for the Nonsense Retrospective, then you might not know the format. So we start off with our time-honored Nonsense Asinine Hypotheticals. And I've got one for you this week. My one for you this week is if you had to lose a sense. I don't know whether you're getting get getting out of this but you have to sacrifice one of your senses which one would it be I, I don't like answering that type of question because it's like bringing on the will of the universe to fucking spite you yeah <laughs> this question's also a fucking weird one because I used to have a go-to answer of smell because fuck smell but people might not know this but during, at the very beginning of the pandemic I had covid and I lost my sense of smell for about three fucking weeks and that life sucks yeah it does like only being able to taste salty and that's about it <laughs> but here's the one that really struck me that was very odd whenever i had a shower when you use shower gel that that usually smells but i couldn't smell anything but I, I, everything was still wet and my nose got tickled by sort of the it's not acidic but more alkaline sort of uh feeling that comes with smelling shower gel but without the smell so it, it just burned and it was horrible and like i felt like i was drowning even though i was perfectly fine yeah well that's the thing like with the virus your uh, your lung capacity is reduced at the best of times so and, and, and any feeling that you are drowning is probably at least partially true what a fun thought but yeah I'm, I'm i'm sorry rick but i'm gonna have to refuse your question because uh, like of the five main senses i don't want to lose any of them and i can't choose you know well you could also you could always go for the cop-out one and say i don't know the uh, the sense of knowing exactly where your fingers are on your body yeah but then you're you, then you're you're inviting the law well, expanding the question to too great of a scope and you could again you could just pick a nonsense one that doesn't matter which in which case why fucking ask the question i think one of the better cop-out ones is temperature because it is actually a, a separate sense to touch yeah, but I also don't think that's a good idea because, hey, if you shower... But, you know, the shower shouldn't be made with boiling water to begin with. It shouldn't be, but that doesn't mean it won't be. Yeah. Anyway, moving on, because we've spent far too much time on this bollocks. Your question was bad <laughs> and you should feel bad. I apologise. Not too hard. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure you stole it from her website as well. Uh, this time I didn't, actually. She just decided to come up with a random, really morbid as fuck question. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I misunderstood my normally co-host. <laughs> Alright, anyway, uh, I guess I should fire a question back at you. Sure. So that being said, see that, see that, see. Well, we're talking about Dark Souls today. Spoiler, I suppose. So to that end, if you could master one weapon and one weapon only, what would it be? In real life, obviously. Now, here's the thing. If it would be a colossal one, then that would kind of mean that I had the, uh, the prerequisite strength, dexterity, all that. It has to be a real weapon, is basically the, the fundamental crux of this. It can't be a... Because, you know, like, if you could lift up a fucking guts-level greatsword, you're basically superhuman. Yeah, that's the thing. So, like, an ultra greatsword is a real thing. But, like, I think the biggest real sword would be, like, a claymore. Yeah, and I've got a spoiler for you. You could be a master of that fucking fighting style and someone with a bow and arrow or a spear will still beat you. Oh, absolutely. There's more to this question than nothing, is all I'm saying. So, but think carefully. But I don't specifically want to win a fight against someone else who's doing a Dark Souls fighting style or... Not even a Dark Souls fighting style, a, another medieval fighting style. I just want to be the strong guy that they can lift a claymore like it's nothing. It doesn't take a lot of strength to just lift a claymore, though. And, like, at the end of the day, being a skilled claymore user, you're, like, you're just a shitty sword fighter. Yeah, but the actual thing about it is your wrist strength. Because you can lift a thing like that, no problem. But being able to wield it with any degree of speed, success, or anything like that, you need a lot of strength in the wrist, which is why a lot of these, like, anime swords just don't work. Oh, I think you're putting far 
too much stock in the ability of a claymore. Yeah, maybe so. But yeah, they're, they're normally about, what, five foot five or so? So it's not the biggest thing in the world. Dude, as a bit of a tangent, do you remember the show Deadliest Warrior? I don't. I... It, it was a bullshit show. They, they used to get some weapon experts from specific time periods and they'd test out the deadly capacity of a warrior's weapons when wielded by an expert or a master. And then they'd take this these results, put it in a computer program, they'd make the two warriors fight 1,000 times and whoever won the most time was classed as the deadliest warrior of the two. Which seems cool, but was all based on bullshit numbers that they just kind of pulled out their asses anyway, so it's kind of fucking ridiculous. Ah, oh, so it's basically tabs. I don't know what it is, but sure. Totally accurate battle simulator. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> the, the, uh, the redeeming feature was at the end of each episode, they'd, get, they'd have two actors play out the fight, and that was the, the draw of the show, at least to me. Okay. But one day, instead of having generic warriors on, they had Shaka Zulu versus William Wallace. Okay. <laughs> One of the weapons they chose for Shaka Zulu was spitting poison, because apparently the Zulu warriors used to uh, chew on something. It's been a while since I've seen the show, but they used to chew something, and if they spit it and they get it in your eyes, it will blind you. And these the guys doing the uh, William Wallace weapons were two Scottish geezers, and they were both tall as fuck, and one of them spoke just a little bit like Liam Neeson, even though he's Irish. <laughs> and he just held a claymore in his hand, pointed it directly at the camera, so he was quite far from the camera, and he just went, how far can you spit? <laughs> very, very good question to ask someone who's got Got that particular power, or at least is pretending to have that particular power. Yeah, well, basically, fundamentally, that weapon scored zero on everything, because turns out he couldn't spit that far. <laughs> Sorry, bit of a tangent, I know, but you you were determined to talk about claymores, so I had to bring up that anecdote that I don't think I'll ever be able to talk about ever again. Well, since you refused my my hypothetical, would you want to uh, answer your own question? I mean, I'm kind of working on archery, so my question's defecto answered for me. I can answer that question in real life. I'm not like these pricks who go to those fucking fences lessons going look at me I'm in my animes yeah sorry <laughs> this is how I would wield a lightsaber if I had one dude I shit you not like two of our buddies did keep talking one day about going to a sword fighting class where apparently and I shit you not they said they teach you how to use all types of different swords and I was just like oh cool great you guys have fun with that this is before I picked up <laughs> archery by the way so I was I was a snob back then as well <laughs> yep 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 as well you can be as a rational human being even one with a nerdy bent I like swords as much as the next guy but fucking hell all the, all, they're, they're only good for these days if you're looking for a career in stunt work or if you want a really cool photograph buy a fucking replica of Anderil when you go up to Manchester that one time and fucking pose with it was it Manchester where, where was it Leeds Leicester yeah it was up in Leeds the Royal Armouries yeah except it was that dude's random shop in the uh, centre and not oh, actually oh yeah that was in York yeah yeah in York there's about five sword shops in York but there's one really good one I don't know if it's really good but fucking 50 quid for an Anderil replica damn straight I'm buying that yeah. <laughs> Could I afford it? Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Tangent aside, Rick, what are we doing today? Today, on the Nonsense Retrospective, we're talking about Dark Souls. And to that end, we're going to start with our previous experience with the series, which, for me, at the time, was very little. Because I came into the Blood Souls series with Bloodborne, which is probably one of the worst ways to come into it, to the point that I was so ill-equipped mentally to deal with that type of game that I was damn near about to snap the disc in half after about an hour and a half. But then again, I know your answer to 
to this. How did you come into the series? You don't actually know my answer because you thought I started on Demon Souls, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, no, I started with Dark Souls 2, buddy. Okay. I played this game in the most arse... Well, I tell a lie. I did play Dark Souls, but it's one of those where I played Dark Souls for five minutes, decided I didn't like it, so it got buried beneath a bunch of uh, other games. Then Dark Souls 2 came out, and I really liked Dark Souls 2, so I went back and gave Dark Souls 1 a fair shake. Which, by the way, if you want to see me beat Dark Souls 1, it is on my YouTube gaming channel, The Rift Place Games. Not a self-plug at all. And the same for Dark Souls 2. That's, that's I actually used your playthrough as, as a walkthrough for myself. Oh shit, I did do Dark Souls 2. Fuck! I forgot I did that for the channel. I also did the Dark Souls 3 DLC and the Bloodborne DLC. Because fuck Bloodborne, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, here's the thing. I also went backwards with Dark Souls games. Started with Bloodborne. Then I went forwards and got three because it came out. And then I went backwards, got two and then one. And I've not got Demon's Souls because I don't have a working PS3. And, you know, no one can get a PS5. Oh, on Facebook the other day, I shit you not, Sony uh, posted a celebratory post saying, Congratulations to ourselves because they're self-narcissistic arseholes. We've managed to sell and ship 10 million PlayStation 5s worldwide. And the top comment was, Yeah, and 9 million of them have gone to scalpers yep <laughs> how dare you fucking give yourselves a pat on the back when you have failed so monumentally and that's the thing like these these scalpers they've just they're completely unapologetic and they even want people to feel sorry for them i also read that article and i laughed yeah <laughs> glee i laughed <laughs> now to be fair they're not quite as bad as those fucking scumbags who hoarded hand sanitizer during the start of the pandemic but they're still dickheads yeah hand sanitizer and toilet paper ah toilet paper was a weird one because we never ran out of that hand sanitizer wasn't being produced in the numbers that we were purchasing and consuming so uh, it took a while to sort of uh, kickstart that up on the plus side a bunch of alcohol manufacturers went straight into the hand sanitizer game at that point because it's a, it, it uses the same ingredient of you know alcohol and it's something that they could just do straight away I mean th th this is my point because this is why I emphasize at the beginning of the pandemic because at the beginning we really weren't equipped to supply the demand and I say this as someone who works in a fucking shop I, I, I kind of know what goes on. Yeah, we weren't even equipped to supply normal cleaning supplies. No. Being able to find a wet wipe was like rocking our turds. Dude, I shit you not, one of my... <laughs> I shouldn't have laughed, but I did because I found it so unbelievably funny. Because back then I worked the evening shift, so I was I was there until closing time. And the night guys will start wheeling out pallets just before the store closes. One of the guys wheeled out the toilet roll pallet and put it down the toilet roll aisle. And I shit you not, it, it didn't even get put out. About ten minutes later, all of the those toilet rolls were gone and there was people forming a queue around the pallet and they were like is there another pallet of toilet roll and it's like uh no <laughs> well it saved them a job <laughs> <laughs> so, the game starts in Dark Souls 1 with your chosen nobody, a faceless undead who you design with From Software's inimitable Bethesda face character creator. I think that's a bit of an insult to Bethesda. No, it's not. <laughs> to be fair, the last time I played Skyrim, I did have a shit ton of mods, so I might be uh, skewed. If you mess with more than one slider, you're going to end up with Bethesda face. Okay, well, here's the, here's the trick, Rick. I don't mess with sliders. Yeah, you're, you're happy with the uh, default Nord male one. I especially don't. <laughs> give a fuck about sliders because in those games you have helmets and no toggle options so who gives a fuck yeah the, the first person games and even even in even in dark souls you like you got a helmet a lot of the time anyway that's my point in dark souls 1 it's kind of forgivable to not have a helmet but in dark souls 3 specifically you get a base percentage boost to your armor just for having something in slot even if it's just a cloth rag so you're actively gi 
gimping yourself by not having armor in every slot. However, fashion. Yeah, so the Undead Asylum is actually a really good tutorial because it, it gives you a very shitty tool and then after a small amount of time you recover the tool that you're meant to have for your class, which might be no tool if you're if you're an idiot and pick the, uh, the Deprived. Deprived starts with a club. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's fun, but every other class is better. Uh, in Dark Souls 1, yes, because Dark Souls Deprived is weird in that it doesn't work like every other Deprived where it starts at level 1, it starts at like level 6. Or it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's so backwards. Yeah, the, the Pyromancer or something starts at level 1 and is just like better for, for a mutable build. The Pyromancer is the go-to class for anyone who is either struggling for what class they want or if they want the max amount of customization. And it starts with the fucking pyro like pyromancy making it broken. <laughs> yeah, which you normally have to get like a third of the way through the game to get for anyone else. But yeah, you got the, the little fight against the Asylum Demon, which if you've got the bombs you can try it, or if, if you're not an idiot you can bypass it and then come back when you're fully equipped. You get to talk to the, well, one of like five friendly people in the entire game and you get to see him die after he gives you the key at the beginning and then you see him dying very shortly afterwards and he gives you your second useful thing, the Estus Flask, which is a really good addition which they should have kept for every other From Software game afterwards but apparently they decided, no, this is too convenient so they took it out of Bloodborne. Yeah, but you got to bear in mind that Miyazaki went from Dark Souls 1 to Bloodborne. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he skipped Dark Souls 2 and if he'd have seen Dark Souls 2 he would have been like, oh, look, they've got these uh, item regens as well as the Estus Flask. But the, the trade-off is the Estus Flask doesn't have five or ten slots. It starts with one. Yeah. That's how they balanced it into. And also it's slower. Oh, it's very much slower. Like, it heals more, but it's slower. Yeah, but there is a stat to speed that up. You can invest into that, but that doesn't exist in Dark Souls 1. Are we talking about adaptability? It kind of exists as a stat in Dark Souls 1, but it's not. it doesn't do the things that it does in Dark Souls 2. I don't know what we're talking about. Like, you got to be specific. Yeah, I th yeah, yeah, I think it's adaptability. Like, adaptability doesn't exist in Dark Souls 1. Does it not exist at all in Dark Souls 1? Okay. In fact, adaptability is only in 2. And as far as I'm aware, the only thing it did was affect your iframes. I think it increases your agility. Yeah, that's agility is your iframes. I think it's also your item usage speed. Mm, not sure on that one. I, I'm going to respectfully disagree. I'm not saying you're wrong. But yeah, as soon as you're out of the Undead Asylum, you, you get taken by a happy, helpful crow to a Firelink Shrine, and from where on, you're on your own. You, you get the crestfallen fella who goes, yeah, you might want to ring some bells, and that's pretty much the only direction you're given in the entire game. So, after you ring the bells, you've got the good bit, which is, you know, Anor Londo. And you, you meet the, the best fucking NPC helper in the game. You get Solaire there again, and you get Siegmeier there again. You skipped the most important, most helpful one that completely bypasses a boss for you. Oh, Black Iron Tarkus. Tarkus, Tarkus, Tarkus. <laughs> the amount of clips I've seen online of people freaking the fuck out as Tarkus solos the boss for them. Yeah. To be honest, I never used him for that, because I, I was such a poo babby that I didn't even have the humanity to spare, which is a mechanic. You gotta look like a human to be able to summon people. If you don't, then you can't. If you look like beef jerky, you can't summon. You can't do multiplayer. Even even offline multiplayer. I One of the things I do appreciate that at least the Dark Souls 1 did was if you want to play co-op, that is what triggers you to be eligible for invasions. Yeah, so you've essentially, even if you're online, like that is the thing that you can do. So you, you've got the bonus of being human. It's not that big of a bonus in Dark Souls 1. In 3, you've got the health bonus. And in 2, you've, you don't have the health nerf from being hollow. Well, you do. It just takes a fucking long time to be, you know, crippling. Like, if you're really bad at the game like I am, then yeah, it will, you will eventually get to the... You do like to shit on yourself when it comes to DS2, but you're not quite so bad that you die hundreds of times, although there was that one time I got mad at you at Iron, Iron Keep. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> 
because I was shit at the game. <laughs> but but we we'd already done it in my world. It's the thing that baffled me. We did we did it in one go, and then we got to your world, and I don't know if you just suddenly threw all caution to the wind, or you forgot where your Estus was, or some shit. But you just kept getting killed, and I was getting frustrated, and you were getting frustrated, obviously. Yeah, we drew a line under it for that for that day. I don't think we've ever gone back to that character. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> That was the one where you were carrying me through the platinum, pretty much. No, it can't have been that one, because that one we've beaten the game at least once on. Yeah, we had. But yeah, the Anor Londo is basically the end of the early game, and once you once you do that, and Ornstein and Smo... The speed one killer. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly the hardest boss in the game, because there's like two and a half bosses there. I mean, I'll be real with you, Rick. I've said this to you every single time I've had the opportunity to say, say it, and I think you already suspect what I'm going to say, and that is the bosses that I struggle with with the most in Souls games are bosses where there's more than one thing. The the, the combat in uh, Dark Souls 1 in particular, like it kind of gets a bit more manageable in later games, but Dark Souls 1 in particular, the combat is specifically designed to fight things one-on-one. Yeah, and it's, it's very slow and methodical. That's part of the charm of the game, that if you commit time and animation time to doing that move, you probably have some reward for that risk. You know what? Come to think of it, you saying that has made me think that you could probably draw a pretty good parallel between Dark Souls 1 and Dark Souls Souls 2 and compare it directly to Dragon Age Origins and Dragon Age 2 in that respect? Kind of. Because uh, Dragon Age 2 had, it, it sped up the combat a little bit and tried to simplify it and make it sexier, which Dark Souls 2 also seems to have tried and done with thing, adding things like the power stance. Which they then took the fuck out in Dark Souls 3 and everyone was upset. Yeah. It was such a cool system that just it just put so much customization in the player's hands. Yeah, but Miyazaki didn't make it, therefore it's bad. The closest thing they did to re- reviving it was putting in certain specific twinned weapons. Do you want to talk about how big fucking piss babbies Dark Souls fans are? (laughs) Oh, fucking hell. They buried the fuck out of Dark Souls 2 because Miyazaki didn't touch it. Now, I will acknowledge that that DS2 has a ton of flaws, but when you look into things and look at how Dark Souls 2 was made, and I know I'm going on a bit of a tangent on a subject we'll talk about on another day, so I won't delve too far into it, but that game was literally cobbled together and went through like, I want to say five head directors. It's a miracle that game got fucking released. Least it's a, it's almost like parallel to how Demon Souls got done. Yeah, because Demon Souls was pretty much the same. It was done on the wing and a prayer, and it just so happens that Miyazaki was at the head. But again, Miyazaki wasn't at the head at the beginning. He pulled that game out of the garbage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they, I think they wanted it to be a Skyrim killer. I'll be honest with you. If you want to learn more about Demon Souls, there's a very good video by one Matt McMuscles. He does a he does a series called uh, What Happened. Usually, he it looks at the what happened to lead to the downfall of a game and leading to it like being dead on arrival but he, d- he does one on Demon's Souls and as we all know Demon's Souls ended up being a success not at the time of release more so down the line but yeah yeah and even Dark Souls 2 was well loved by critics just not as much by the fans I think Dark Souls is one of those series that always gets shit on by critics because critics are like cool we have to play this game for one hour today and then decide what it's like and you can't do a lot in an hour in Dark Souls if you don't know what you're doing yeah yeah no worries it's like these fucking reviewers and critics who are like cool you have to review the new I don't know pick a random fucking MMO or turn-based strategy that takes 70 hours. Cool, how much prep time have I got? Uh, we need the article out on Monday. Yeah, the best you got is a day, yeah. <laughs> Can't play a game, learn all its nuances, see if it's good or not, especially if it's got a 70-hour fucking average playtime. Uh, granted, that doesn't specifically
specifically applied to Dark Souls, but... Like, one thing I also really like about Dark Souls is the early game, you've got a lot of diversity. If you want to do a certain playstyle, you can pick it up. You can basically swerve from the character class that you started with into, oh, this big sword looks cool, I'm going to play with this big sword, I'm going to give this, I'm going to pump a lot of strength, and it's going to work. Uh, yeah, I agree. However, Dark Souls 1 does suffer from a flaw that no other Souls game suffers from, except for maybe Bloodborne. Oh, there's no respects. I don't believe there's a respec, so if you fuck up your build, you've got to you've got to start again, or just can it just cut your losses and say, well, I've wasted 15 points in strength because I want to use this dex weapon now, but oh well. Yep, yep. But yeah, after Ornstein and Smo, it unlocks two things. Number one is the rest of the game. Number two is warping, which is something that all the other games have from the beginning. You said it unlocked two things, and I was genuinely expecting you to say Guinevere's tits. Well, okay, but you know, that's just a meme. I like Dark Souls' approach to warping, because at the very least, every area pre-warp is easy to walk to. Apart from if you go into the catacombs. Yeah, but you're not meant to go there, Rick. You're technically meant to go there first, because that's why they no. put Patches as uh, thingy. No, like, if, no. If you don't go there early enough, then you miss Patches' first quest. No, you don't You don't go to the catacombs first. You don't... No, like, you can if you want to, but it's certainly not the intention. So that's the thing. You, you, you're meant to go there early enough to get trapped by, by Patches. I don't think you necessarily are. I think if you go early, that's there as a little thing you can do, but that's by no means crucial to Patches' questline, therefore it can be skipped. Yeah. Oh yeah, for people not in the know, there are quest lines for characters, which are normally, you talk to a character until you exhaust their dialogue, and then you go and meet them somewhere else in the world, and exhaust their dialogue. Then you murder them because you want their armour. <laughs> Sometimes they murder themselves on your behalf. Yeah, this this is the point where, like I say, the second half of the game opens. There's like, there's four main paths, because you've got to kill the four lords, and get the four fragments of the big old soul to unlock the end game. There's also a fifth path, which is the DLC, which unlocks at this point as well. But that's optional at the best of times. It is the best of times, because it gives you a really nice insight into what the world was like before it went quite as much to shit as it has already. DLC does two things that I absolutely fucking love. First of all, mm -hmm. the fucking way to unlock and access the DLC was so convoluted that on day one people didn't work out. I've downloaded the DLC, but I don't know how to get to it. So it took a day for FromSoft to release. It was either a patch or just a notice of, yeah, go here. Yeah. <laughs> it's also still not the clearest, because you have to have meet, met... Dusk of Ulusil. If you've not met Dusk first, then you're buggered. And second of all, they put a... It's not the hardest boss in the world, but it's certainly, like, it's it's more difficult than anything you probably would have encountered beforehand, barring Ornstein and Smoke. Well, I mean, you've got to have be beaten Ornstein and Smoke before you get the second gold golem to get the pendant to get to get into the DLC. So you've, you've got to have done at least that, which is some bar to entry. But th this is what I'm saying. Like, apart from Ornstein and Smoke, it's probably the toughest boss you fought at this point. That was my... That's a takeaway from my sentence. And my favourite thing they do is if you beat that boss and then warp back to that bonfire in the boss arena is now two of that boss <laughs> I didn't know that because I went there once because I went to the wrong bonfire instead of the one by Elizabeth and I went oh I wonder if they've put anything oh no <laughs> so I fucking noped out of that encounter because I, I don't know what you get for doing it I'm like I'm not fighting two of these things it was annoying enough with just one of the bastards I think it's just two attempts to get its tail I don't think you get anything special for cutting its tail you get a whip oh whoopee fucking do whips are shit in Dark Souls but yeah the, you get because it's a chimera and it's got a scorpion tail you get the scorpion tail whip okay but yeah that's pretty much it the DLC has a few really cool things other than the area design because there's a, there's, a, there's quite a few friendly NPCs in there like there's Elizabeth who is a friendly mushroom she says 
hello. Has at least five pictures on Rule 34. I mean, yeah. I'm just saying, I, I sometimes I see weird creature designs and my, my first thing my brain does is, I wonder, sometimes you get nothing, but sometimes, like, five is a lot for literally a sentient fucking mushroom. You, you get to meet Artorius. Eh, meet's a strong word. Okay, you, you, you get to meet Artorius in a small sense and you put him into the ground and from then on, like, every game after that has to have a reference to Artorius. Yeah, because Artorius is the coolest. Yeah, he's the guts of FromSoft. Which is weird, because Guts hasn't failed yet. Well, I guess you could argue he has if you count the Eclipse, because that was kind of awful. But technically his overall quest has not failed, like Artorius is literally did. Yeah, his legend is that he stopped the Abyss from spreading, when in reality, he didn't. And you came along just after he'd failed and after he'd succumbed to it. You put him down and then you did his job for him. But because he was the one that set out to do it, he was the one that got the credit for it. It also gave us birth to the fucking phrase which every fucking lawster always goes to whenever they can't explain something and I fucking hate it to this day and that is time's convoluted in Lordran slash Dark Souls slash wherever the fuck you are in whatever FromSoft game you're playing. Time is convoluted in DLC is what it really means. Fundamentally it means whenever something doesn't make sense lore wise it's like ah convoluted timelines it's fine. It's like oh cool great that's what I wanted to hear. There's a wibbly wobbly timey wimey ball that you're holding at all times. I think 3 is the first one that had time travel like implied in the main game the untended graves and all that Freeze a weird a weird fucking game at the best of times anyway because it's basically just Miyazaki stroking his own dick at the end of the day yeah it sucks that it became a meme but I'm kind of glad that they introduced it in Dark Souls 1 rather than in 2 because if if they released the DLC for Dark Souls 2 with timey-wimey bits that they had in that without having shown it in 1 then people would have thrown a fit yeah, I think Dark Souls 2 handles the time stuff better because you're not actually time traveling you're actually just entering memories like you're not you when you're in the memory you're someone from the memory it's it's very weird isn't it because you're you're actually reliving the enemy the memories of the aggressors in that conflict like they're justified aggressors because they're trying to recover members of their own race who have been enslaved but those are my favorite bits of dark souls 2 like i said it gives us a nice p- perspective on familiar zones and we get to see places like Ga- the dark root garden before it became the dark root garden the sentinels before they got all moss covered and shit yeah and i think you can get their their equipment before they're all mossy and yeah we get to see other than Artorius we get to see the, the other knights we get to see Hawkeye Goth and we get Lord's Blade Kieran the yeah the DLC ends with Manus the bullshit final boss that's not the that's not the real final boss but he's harder than the final boss because he's bullshit unless he was the pendant apparently I had to get drunk to beat that boss I got so annoyed with him I cheesed it and shot him with a bow a lot see I knew you could do that but I could never get the glitch to work so I was like oh fuck it I'll just get drunk and do it legit and I did that on camera as well so you know people can't even dispute it. And the other boss that's in there is Calamite, which is a bullshit dragon. He might not be the first bullshit dragon in FromSoft, but he's the first one that I encountered. The first one I encountered was Sin, but Sin was more manageable than Calamite. Also, I hate the fact that the new dark dragon in Dark Souls 3 is just Calamite again, but more annoying because they've bloated his health to bullshit levels. Yeah, he's he's the worst parts of Calamite and Sin. Yeah, because he flies as well, little fucker. He flies and he burps at you. I'm so glad I managed to do that boss on camera as well, because I shit you not, I, oh, I, I, oh, I got angry. Calamite, you also have to do a little bit of questline with Hawkeye Goff, because uh, he shoots the guy down, and uh, the fun thing about Hawkeye Goff is that his other friends, in inverted commas, didn't tell him that his helmet was on sideways, so he thought he'd gone blind. See, I was told that it was, like, he was purposefully 
put that helmet on incorrectly to make him blind because not oh fucking what's his name not Vendrick that's two ah oh, Gwyn was uh, worried that he might lead a revolt of the giants or some shit it could go either way because I, I could be misremembering but also it's not beyond the realm of possibility for his friends to have been assholes more importantly as well he brings to us the joy of hello yeah yeah he does he carves the little heads that you can throw on the ground and then they go hello very good and the, the worst thing about that is they come back in future games and they make no sense in the other games because Goff is gone <laughs> no but yeah we get back to the regular game there's the there's the four directions the four lords some of them are stupid some of them are bullshit in fact they've all got stupid bullshit things that you can do in the areas you've got the lava area where you can just equip a ring and just negate lava well you have to that's not optional you've got the dark area where you can either use a lantern or the light spell to negate the darkness which again you pretty much have to otherwise you fall in a pit and well i never i don't remember the area being so dark that i couldn't see i mean it pretty much is for a lot of it what area are we talking about we're talking about the grave lord nito part of the catacombs like beyond pinwheel yeah sorry i, I know we were on about that for some reason i thought you were talking about fuck four kings yeah and i was like i don't remember that being that dark but yeah catacombs is quite dark but at the same time they've got prism stones that actually show you where to walk so i i never felt the need to have a light sure fair enough for the four kings you either need to have a cursed weapon or to be cursed eh well to get through the uh, the ghosts so you can you can avoid the ghosts it's because in dark souls 2 and 3 they call petrification curse so i was very confused by your terminology but that's that's from soft fucking you uh, fucking us not you yeah you've got the you've got the item the transient curse the inimitable dumb shit's guide calls the rubber butt plug okay but yeah you can you can temporarily curse yourself or you can just be cursed which is what happens if you get petrified by a basilisk at any point and it's a pain in the ass to get rid of as well so i wouldn't recommend it i mean if you've got access to ulusil like it's not quite so pain in the ass because you can buy purging stones from crimson robe dude whose name i forget yeah 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 yeah, that guy but yeah the, you get to the bottom of that and you fight the four kings and if you fight them for long enough there's five of them yeah i really don't like that no <laughs> The one I hate the most is the Grand Archives and what's his face? Seath. The, uh, the, yeah, Seath. How's it feel, Seath? To be a bitch. By the way, if you're a fan of Dark Souls and you've not seen that, you need to see it. It's uh, Plague of Gripes' uh, Dark Souls has a story animation. It's fuck right. Yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh, speaking of the archives, it's the point that actually made Chris give up on our co-op characters. So, you know, you're not alone in hating that area. Yeah, 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 because it's it's the part where you actually have to die and you have to do a lot of soloing before you can get back to co-oping, which, you know, if you're playing through the game solo, it's not that big of a deal because you're soloing anyway. But if, you tr if, if your goal is to co-op through the game, then it's a bit of a buzzkill. And also the thing that I really hate about that zone is right at the end, when you're going up to the boss, you gotta take a lot of leap of faith across invisible bridges which you can see the snow falling. It's not quite as easy on, on the Switch screen. Well, yeah, but you shouldn't play Dark Souls in portable mode anyway, to be frank. But it's so fun. That's fine, you're allowed to, you know, have a different opinion. I think you're wrong, but, yeah. You know. Yeah, spoiler, we both have the game on the Switch. I mean, I played it on the PS3 and that game fucking has so much frame rate issues, so you're lucky. I have, I have it on the PC. I bought it while the Prepare, Prepare to Die edition was both available and cheap before it became a hot commodity and worth like 200 quid. Like I could sell my Steam account for multiple hundreds just because of the fact that I've got Dark Souls 1 on it, but it would be illegal to do so, so I won't. I don't understand the logic. Well, it's because you can mod that version.
version of the game, whereas you can't mod the remastered version. I, I don't care. I'll mod Skyrim for the 700th time. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, the uh, that's, I think that's all four lords. No. Once you've done all four lords. No. Oh, who have I missed? Like you sp- spoke about the zone, but you didn't mention the Witch of Isolith. Yeah, the Witch of Isolith. Probably the least bullshit and also the most bullshit because you got to remember where not to stand because if you stand in the wrong place, you die. Yeah, but it's also not too much of a bad deal or raw deal because it's, it's one of those very weird bosses which I can't think of another example off the top of my head where your progress against the boss is saved. Yeah, if you destroy the arms essentially, it gets easier and once you've destroyed them then they're essentially separate creatures that are uh, single spawn within the boss arena that are not part of the boss's health bar and yeah, when when you when you defeat those they stop harassing you and then you've got a little bit more of a clear run to the boss itself and then you, you can put the damn thing out of its misery. Yeah, because at this point it's just a bug which gets referenced in Dark Souls 2 in the most nonchalant dumb way possible but we'll get to that when we do Dark Souls 2. But yeah, there's there's a bunch of like enemy factions in Dark Souls 1. There's like the demons and the hollows and the rampant darkness guys in, in Ulaseel. Oh, are we talking about the fucking uh, Grim Reapers? The weird-headed guys who have got like a, a bag on their head. Oh! Now in the DLC? Yeah, they're in Ulaseel. The, the DLC guys in Ulaseel, yeah. I don't remember them being in Ulaseel. I thought it was Ulaseel City. Sorry, when you say Ulaseel, you mean the Ulaseel in the DLC, don't you? Yeah, I mean the Ulysseal and the DLC. Yeah, yeah, that was me fucking up and being bad at brain. Uh... <laughs> Never mind, ignore me. Not not New Londo. Yeah, alright, fair enough. <laughs> but even then, New Londo's got some freaky fucking things, like it's got those uh, those those dodgy red blobs of men, which I don't think you find anywhere else in the game, because it's just a bunch of, like, drowned souls that clump together, which, yeah, that's, that's a pretty fucking grim way to go. Someone above you decides, this town's gotta go, they close the gate and flood the entire thing. That's pretty much how it went, yeah. And uh, if you if you follow uh, Plague of Gripes' video, they did that behind Ortorius's back. Yeah. Like this, that's not the kind of thing that he would have agreed to. But by that point, he was probably dead by then. Maybe. Yeah, it's the kind of thing that they probably would have tried to play up his legend for longer than he was alive, just to make it seem like he was around for longer to ward off any other kingdoms. Because there were other kingdoms, just you know, they didn't matter. But I'll be honest with you, having divided kingdoms and politics in general is a dumb fucking thing to do when the end of the world is upon you. But yeah, you got there's a couple of extra areas. Uh, one of which is accessible really early on but you probably shouldn't go there because you have to climb back out if you go down there too early and that's Ash Lake and I think it's the only place that's got music throughout the entire zone that's not boss music or an Orlando oh yeah and Orlando's got music if you go into the titty room I thought it had it somewhere else as well but it definitely does have it in the titty room yeah man we shouldn't call it that should we (laughs) (laughs) we shouldn't call it the titty room I also highly fucking recommend that you don't go to Ash Lake until you have warping because it's hard enough to descend as it is but it's even harder to fucking crawl back out of it. I also remember you telling me about that little Easter egg that if you if you wait long enough with the Hydra that's there, you get to see it soaring across the air to get to the other side of Ash Lake to try to keep on attacking you. It's it's you've got to stand in a really specific spot and it looks fucking dumb. Because I've only ever seen that happen on the PS3 as well, so that means the frame rate makes it look fucking shit. <laughs> the other um area is the painted world, which gets referenced in Dark Souls 3 again when they basically just rip off the entire area and just re 
reprint it. But in this, it's original because it was, uh, I believe it was actually one of the first ones to be programmed in. And they thought, we can't figure out a way to fit this in the rest of the world. So we're just going to make it some way that you warp to for fun. It's one of those as well where you're saying original, but the entirety of the painted world of Ariamis. Wait, Ariandale. Wait, which one's the fucking DS11? Ariamis. Right, I was correct. Great. The whole deal of the painted world of Ariamis is uh, it's all one giant fucking Demon Souls reference. Wasn't that the, the cut content from Demon Souls? I've never put any stock into that. It was the first level coded, so they just did demons again. <laughs> Including those stupid dragons with a bite. It's like a, your final obstacle is a dragon's ass. <laughs> yeah, which by the way, you can totally glitch out. If you uh, do a, a running, jumping attack on it, and then it just stands up. Yep, making, meaning you can avoid the awful, annoying fight at the bottom, slash not even bother doing the mechanics to finish the level. I think it's really cool how the front half of the dragon really wants to kill you so much that he leaves his ass behind. And then you got the fluffiest waifu at the end. Who you should definitely murder. Uh, I mean, if you want a fluffy tail, then yeah. But also, she's one of the few bosses who you can actively spare rather than just avoiding. Uh, see, my irritation with Priscilla is you get to her and she goes, this is a calm and, and patient land and no one here means you harm. And I'm like, you're a fucking liar, so now you must die. This land is peaceful. Its inhabitants kind. Go home. I have no real beef with Priscilla, but the first time I encountered her, I'm like, you fucking liar. Plus, she's really easy to murder. Yeah, all you have to do is look in the look for the footprints, which is, again, really good boss, boss arena design. You can just, you can see where the invisible person is based on where the footprints are in the snow. And I think that's really good boss arena design. The invisible thing is something that points to the crossbreed part of her maybe being part of Seath. I really don't fucking like that. It's so lazy. It's so lazy. People assume Seath is, is related to Priscilla because Priscilla is big. Seath is big. So therefore they must be related. Well, people also assume that he's related to Gwyn Guinevere because Guinevere is also big. But it's, it's just one of the really easy, low-hanging fruit, as it were. I, d I, d I just think it's too lazy. But yeah, the final boss, after you've collected the four souls, famously, he can be parried to death. And one of the things that you can choose to do is if you've gone through the game in a specific way, there's an entire secret covenant and secret ending. But also, the game doesn't stop you doing that ending if you don't take that, that route. It just gives you less reason to do it. Thank Christ, because fuck doing the fucking Four Kings so early. And it also locks you out from the other secret, which is if you get to the end of the DLC and help Little Wolf Sif, then you get this nice little Easter egg when you fight Big Wolf Sif, where they remember you. And they really don't want to fight you, but they have to. As a fucking detail, that's cool. But another detail I like that broke my fucking heart is when you get Seath down to just under a quarter of his health, his attacks become limp, his movements become limp, everything is slower and weaker and absolutely piss easy to dodge. But he's, And it, it tugs at the heartstrings, but at the same time it shows you how much his duty is uh, is important to the character. I say his. Uh, people seem to speculate that Sif is a female wolf because he doesn't have a dick, but at the same time they're not going to animate that shit. Fuck nuts. Yeah, they're not. Wasn't Sif a female in mythology anyway, so... At the end of the day, it's a giant fucking animated wolf. I don't give a fuck if it's a dude or a, or a woman. <laughs> its gender is irrelevant. It's a big fucking wolf with a sword in its mouth. It's going to be cool regardless. <laughs> As Ina puts it, Doggo with a sword in his mouth. So, yeah, that's pretty much the end of the game. So, what I'd like to do is borrow a little bit from our main series and ask for favourite scenes and MVP. So, do you have a favourite scene? Favourite scene? I have a real soft spot for Gwendolyn. Okay. And the encounter with Gwendolyn pre-betraying him is very adorable. Like, And I, I like how hard he tries to maintain the charade. Yeah, because all of Anor Londo being good and nice and shiny is just his illusion, because it's already fallen to shit a long time ago. 
go. Also, the fan art is very cute of that character. Uh, moving on, have you got a favourite moment, Rick? My favourite moment is also in that area. It's when you first come to Anor Londo and you get the... It's just that establishing shot of the entire, like, gothic architecture uh, capital city as you're being carried there by imp demons. Yeah, you get that shot with the sun in just the right spot as well because they knew what they were doing. It's basically screenshot bait. Again, they knew what they were doing, but it's a fucking good shot. And also, it contrasts so perfectly with everything up until then has looked fucking shit. Yeah, even things that are well-designed look like they've gone to shit because they have. Sorry, it doesn't look shit and in, in, in that it looks awful and it was poorly designed. It looks shit because it's in a rundown area and it's meant to look awful and if you lived there, you'd think it sucked. But yeah, do you have an MVP? MVP's a tricky one with this type of game because, uh, you know, there's so few characters, really, when you think about it. But that being said, I, I'll, I'll throw a dog a bone and I'll give Tarkus MVP because really, he does so trivialise that boss. And also, I love how it is absolutely 100% canon and no one could tell me otherwise that he managed to do all the physical and martial trials no problem and the only reason he fucked up is because his armour was so heavy so he fell off the fucking rafters in El Alondo, which is so funny to me. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. So, yeah, with that said, I know it's difficult, but who is MVP, Rick? This is going to be a controversial one, but I'm going to say the Primordial Serpents. I wouldn't say that's controversial. Yeah, because they both have the reason to push you to the end, and both of them lie out of their asses. Mm, I don't think that's actually true, because, yeah, fucking, what's his name? Yeah, Framped lies out of his ass. But Kath never really tells you an untruth. Yeah, but there's he, he omits so many things, and I'm pretty sure he knows what's going to go wrong with everything that he pushes the people to do that are, in adverting commas, bad endings, but also he still pushes them to do it because it opposes Frampt. But even then, when you do his ending, Frampt kind of comes around to it anyway, and he just kind of, like, joins in with the other serpents. Here's something that I feel like people miss a lot, and that is Fr one of the reasons why Frampt's motivation is to rekindle the bonfire is because Frampt was Gwyn's mate. Like, those two were buddies. Gwyn sacrificed himself to keep the fire burning. Frampt lost his friend, so his re response to that was, I should probably do my best to make sure that my friend's final wish continues to live on. Yeah, as Dark Souls 2 put calls it, it's the first sin. I suppose so. Everything that's gone wrong is gone wrong because Gwyn couldn't let go and couldn't he, he couldn't let the universe continue the way that it was going. He had to he had to put a stop to this. The Age of Darkness is fucked and no one can dispute that it's fucked, but it is the way things are meant to go in that universe. Yeah, and th there's it's one of those that as we see from Dark Souls 2 and 3, even an Age of Darkness doesn't actually mean an Age of Darkness. It's it's the closest thing they can get to one because they know that the embers are going to start again. There's meant to be an Age of Darkness. There's meant to be probably other ages. There's probably meant to be an Age of Chaos. Well, that, that's going too much into speculatory territory for my liking. That's you getting your fucking Warhammer boner out. <laughs> but yes, that's probably a good enough stopping point. Yeah. So, that's it from us. Join us again on Nonsense Retrospective and indeed on Nonsense Review. And that's goodbye from me. And I just want to chime in with saying if you guys want to leave us a comment and tell us your thoughts on Dark Souls, please feel free to do so on the YouTube video. And if you're not watching via YouTube and you're listening via one of the podcast hosting services we use, send us an email if you want to ask a question or just generally comment. The email address you can contact us at is nonsensereviewuk at gmail.com. Once again, that is nonsensereviewuk at gmail.com. And if it's good enough or interesting enough, we might just read it out on the next episode of the podcast. But yes, with all that mumbo jumbo said and done, uh, goodbye, guys. Bye.